And I encourage you to take out your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, as we talk about moving forward in 2023, we're going to kind of give a shotgun approach today as we go through God's Word. But before we do that, I want to turn your attentions to the screens as we see New Year's Resolution Kids Edition. This year, I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to stop gossiping. Did you see what she was wearing? Yeah. This year, I'm going to join the Vikings game. This year, I'm going to control my shopping. I'm going to stop spending $6 on a cup of coffee. I'm going to control my anger. What are you doing? Can you see I try to work here? I want to find that special girl. How are you doing? Huh. Pick it up. This year, I'm going to call my parents more. This year, I want to get rid of this pot belly. I want to care more about the environment. I want to be a better handyman. This year, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to tie 10% of my gross pay. This year, I will pay off all my debts. I'm going to go back to school and get my master's. I want to complete a marathon. I want to quit smoking. <coughs> this year, I'll control my road rage. I want to have a daily quiet time. Okay, maybe a monthly quiet time. <laughs> All right, this is the season to think about New Year's resolutions, right? I think I heard the other day 8% of people who start out in 2022 actually fulfilled their resolutions by the end of the year. So whether it's resolutions or goals or achievements that you want to accomplish, uh, we want to talk about that today. The week between Christmas and New Year's is always an unusual week. For some, Christmas, Christmas celebrations are going on due to family schedules. Others, like ourselves, we were done by Christmas Eve, and maybe some of you were as well. There are the after Christmas sales this past week and returns going on. The Christmas music is winding down and people are trying to decide what to do with their leftover cookies and candy from Christmas. And then as you approach the last couple days of the year heading into the new year, there's the bowl games to watch. For some to put decorations away if you don't wait till after January 1st. And parties to prepare to host and go to. The weekend between Christmas and New Year is also a time of reflection and evaluation as we review the past year. As Christ followers, this week and into early January should be a time to take stock to where we've been in the last year and what we can learn and what we can take away from the previous year to build on our walk with Jesus into the new year and hope you are or have already been thinking about that. So I want to be very practical this morning. We may share less scripture than Usual because I think it's important that we understand the scriptures that we're reading. What is God saying in this passage? And as we apply it to our everyday life, what is God saying to me through this passage that we're looking at today? So I want to give you some practical tools to help you get starting to either enhance what you've already been thinking about or start thinking about the new habits or changes in the year 2023. So we're going to start with our scripture reading in Matthew 7. This is a parable. Jesus says at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. So Matthew 7, verse 24. Verse 24. Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we commit this scripture and the other scriptures that we'll look at today into your care. We want to bless you by reading your word today. We thank you for the power of the word, how it transforms lives, how it doesn't return void as it goes out. And we pray that you will speak to each person's heart in this room. Lord, you know what the needs, what the burdens, what the joys and celebrations that are going on in people's emotions today. But we pray your word will touch their heart and their life today and uh, that they will praise you for it, but also be challenged and uh, take away something that would apply to their lives today. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So in your outline there, I encourage you to take it out of the center of your program. We're going to look at six things that should be effective in helping you move forward in 2023. As I said, it's a shotgun approach. Maybe some of these things you've thought about. Maybe some of these things will sharpen uh, your thinking a little bit. But first of all, take an honest look at the highlights of 2022 through God's perspective. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. Look at it from the lens of Scripture and how God's perspective would view these things. What are the things from last year that you can be thankful for, even if they were difficulties, trials, and tribulations? What things occurred that were good or bad that you didn't have control of? How did it affect your spiritual growth for the good or the bad? Have you grown in the last year spiritually? And what can you learn from that growth that applies to 2023? Maybe it was a new habit and that really enhanced your prayer life or the reading of your scripture and you want to carry that into the new year. Have I sought and accepted God's forgiveness of my past year's sins? Have I let them go? Have I put those sins in the rearview mirror? What can you do to avoid dwelling on the past failures, the sins, the mistakes of the past year and move on from where you are right now to where God wants you to be? You see, we have to begin by taking an honest look and owning our own sin and the consequences of our sin. We have to accept responsibility for those things and not blame shift. If you did the crime, you do the time. You accept your consequences, make the best of the situation even as painful as it can be. There was an old cartoon years ago, The Family Circus, and you see it up on the screen there. Mom shows up with a broken plate and she says, I think I know the answer. But I'll ask anyway, which of you broke my good plate? And you see the little ghost there, you know. Don't, it says, uh, not me, nobody, I don't know. And that's the way we are. We blame shift off to other people, but we need to own our sin. We need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness from God and others. Forget those things that are behind you, your past, sin and shame that move and move into the new year with God's grace mercy and acceptance. Carl Menninger, who was a psychiatrist back in the 70s and 80s, wrote a famous book called Whatever Happened to Sin as he was dealing with mental illness. Menninger was convinced that if people could figure out a way to deal with their guilt, they'd be able to leave mental institutions and also to be healed. 
1973, Carl Menger made a call for churches to talk about sin in their pulpits and let people know how to deal with sin in their life. He said this, quote, clergymen have a golden opportunity to prevent some of the accumulated misapprehensions, guilt, aggressive actions, and other roots of later mental suffering and mental disease. In discussing the way in which clergymen can achieve this, he said, preach, tell it like it is, say it from the pulpit, cry it from the housetops. What shall we cry? Cry comfort, cry repentance, cry hope. So I encourage you this week to find a quiet place where you can be uninterrupted for a period of time, to reflect, to re- review and evaluate, and take a journal and write down what God is prompting you to do in the new year. I encourage you, make that commitment to do it this week. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. In that same psalm, he concludes in there saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So the application here is, Make getting alone with God a priority as you begin 2023. It's hard to do. Solitude is hard to come by these days. Turn off your devices. Get alone with God. Maybe you need to get alone in public. Go to a coffee shop and, you know, find a, a, a quiet place there. And get alone with God and his word and a blank journal to let God prompt you and to write things down as you hear from him. Second of all, seek seek God to understand his purpose in your life in the year to come. Seek God to understand his purpose in your life in the year to come. Think God's thoughts after him by being in the word. Claim those thoughts as your own. Stand on the word of God. And when life doesn't make sense and does make sense, claim those promises that are there. Remember always and remind yourself often who you are in Christ Positionally, Colossians 3 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. View yourself as how God views you positionally in heaven, but practically how you're living that out here on planet earth. Pray God's promises and psalms back to God and obey what the word says, even when you don't feel like it. You know what I like about the book of Psalms, and that'll be one of the things I read through as well as Psalms, is it's filled with human emotions by the writers. You know, David expressed his anger, expressed his questioning, but also expressed his gratitude to God. And we have that full range of emotions as well as human beings. And that's why I like reading the Psalms because it reflects what's going on in our life and we can pray those back to God. And God can take how we feel and he will respond to it. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. It doesn't say you will never feel any anxieties. It says when you have anxieties, cast them on God. John Piper in one of his devotions talks about the idea of mud splattering on your windshield as life brings worries and burdens on you and you temporarily lose sight of the road and you start to swerve in anxiety. He says, turn on your wipers and squirt your windshield washer. He goes on to explain about how he was anxious in his teenage years and at least For him, the issue was, how does he fight the anxiety? And he said he fought it by fighting against unbelief and fighting for his faith in future grace. And the way you fight this good fight is by meditating on God's promises of future grace and asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. He says the windshield wipers are the promises of God that clear away the mud of unbelief. 
And the windshield washer fluid is the help of the Holy Spirit, the battle to be freed from sin. And 2 Thessalonians 2.13, by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It's the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word of God in your life. And these are the great faith builders. And without the softening work of the Holy Spirit and the wipers of the Word, they just scrape over the blinding clumps of unbelief. So he says, when the mud splatters on your windshield, when anxieties, when trials and tribulations and burdens come along, turn on your windshield wipers of God's promises and squirt the windshield fluid, which reminds you of the Holy Spirit to get God's perspective in the midst of those trials and tribulations. Ask God to show you what your priorities should be that you focus on in this new year. And wake up every morning with the purpose of glorifying God. I don't know, most people wake up and they got to get some coffee going before they can start functioning. And maybe you're kind of aimless for a while until you kind of wake up or get the shower or whatever. But we need to wake up. And one of the things that we need to sense is that today, whatever I do, I want to glorify God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul said this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We can bring glory to God by the portion size that we eat at the table. We can bring glory to God by doing our best with the laundry that we have to fold, by the way that we take care of our kids, and on and on it goes. We glorify God through everything that we do. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we also need to examine our motives. Why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. It's God who looks to our hearts and sees what our motive, what our true purpose in doing things is. In Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? There's a real push in our society to say, follow your heart. Follow what your heart says. But our heart can deceive us. Our heart can build idols into our life if we're not careful. And where do you find your identity? Where do you find your identity? That's so important. Excuse me. Just before Christmas, I met with a good friend of mine here in town. And he told me the sad story of his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law lives in California, and he worked for UPS for many, many decades. And when he retired, he had a great pension. He had a wonderful 401k plan, but he was always obsessed and worried about the money. And he also didn't know what he was going to do during retirement. And he just obsessed and worried and worried until November he committed suicide because his identity was wrapped up in his job. And he couldn't figure out who he was apart from working at UPS. We have to make sure that we understand who we are in Christ. No matter what our job is, no matter what our stop in life is, we need to know who we are. A couple books I recommend. This is a great book, Christ Esteem by Don Matzett. I've got an extra copy. If somebody would like to read that, this is a great book. We think of our world talking about self-identity, self-improvement, and all that. This is Christ-esteemed. Another book that's fantastic is The Search for Significance by Robert McGee. 
My wife and I went through that. It has a workbook journal at the back to get questions based on the chapters. It's a really helpful way to secure your identity and who God made you to be. Focusing on who we are in Christ will help us stay grounded. And when the storms of life that will surely come, we will have an unmovable anchor of hope as we go through the storm. Hebrews 6.12 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. One of the dangers that we have in this world around us is so many distractions, so many temptations, so many things that for us as Christians that are good, but maybe not the best. And in the Iliad and the Odyssey, in the particular book, The Odyssey, he talks about these things of sirens, that sailors would be uh, going down with their merchant ships and they would come by a beautiful island that was like paradise. And of course, this is all fictional and he talks about these beautiful women with long hair singing these songs and attracting the sailors to crash into the rocks and to, the, to get to the shore. And in that book, it talks about, first you will come to the sirens who enchant all who come near them. If anyone unwarily draws in too close and hears the singing of the sirens, his wife and children will never welcome him home again. For they sit in a green field and warble him to death with the sweetness of their song. There's a great heap of dead man's bones lying all around them with the flesh still rotting off them. Therefore, pass those sirens by and stop your men's ears by putting beeswax in them that none may hear the sirens. But if you want to listen yourself, you may get the men of the ship to bind you as, as you stand upright on a cross piece halfway up the mast, and they must lash the rope ends to the mast itself, that you may have the pleasure of listening. If you beg and pray the men to unloose you, then they must bind you faster. By heeding this advice of the goddess Circe, Odysseus has avoided a catastrophe. He will face many more trials and tribulations before he reaches his home and his family. From the Odyssey, book 12. The point is, we have to avoid these distractions, these sirens in society, the tempting sirens of our culture. Pornography has the largest amount of bandwidth on the internet, believe it or not. Pornography. Materialism, isolation, looking to substance abuse for escape, comfort, and false security. Always remember that you can't control your circumstances, but you can control how you respond. And go back to the first bullet point to think and act as God would. Out there, you may have seen on a little table next to the information table, these bracelets. Many of you know what these are. These are WWJD, What Would Jesus Do?, and I thought <clears throat> a good thing to do maybe at the beginning of the year is encourage us to take one. And maybe you don't want to wear it. I've got one on my wrist. I can, you can wear them. But maybe put it in your car. Maybe put it on your dresser. Maybe put it somewhere where it reminds you throughout the year as you think about decisions and choices and temptations, what would Jesus do? There's plenty of them out there. I encourage you to take one after the service and even take one for your kids or grandkids if you would like. But we need to look intently into the word of God this year. We need to fear it. We need to revere it. We need to obey it no matter how we feel or how it affects other people's lives by our obedience. We have to think and act as God would want us to in these difficult days of spiritual darkness and lack of morality. I like Toby Mack, and he has a song called Edge of My Seat. 
And the chorus says, you got me on the edge, got me on the edge of my seat. I can feel it rushing over me. I can feel it rushing over me. You're opening my eyes. You're opening my eyes, Lord, to brand new possibilities. Proverbs talks about inclining our ears, sitting on the edge of the seat, being intent as we read the word of God to hear what God has to say to us. So our application is, may, we, may you be found sitting on the edge of your seat when you encounter God's word in 2023. Don't look at it as just another book to read. This is far more than a history book. It's the power of God given to us. It's a love letter written to each and every one of us to speak to our lives. Be sitting on the edge of your seat as you encounter God's word in 2023. We need to record what God is saying to us and review it daily or weekly. So thirdly, develop a written plan for the year based on God's promptings. I think it's important. I'm a type A personality. I like lists. I like goals. I like to keep those before me. I like to have accountability. But maybe you're not that way. But at least have some idea of where you want to go in this calendar year. Winston Churchill said, he who fails to plan plans to fail. Keep your expectations realistic. You may not reach your goals and maybe you will, but the important thing is that you're becoming more and more like Jesus in areas of your life. And if you set a goal and you don't quite make it, just think about how much further you've gone, uh, even, even if you didn't make the goal. You are making progress by moving forward in your walk with Christ. And I keep reminding myself of this over and over, the journey is the destiny. Remember that you and I, we're not indispensable. God already has a replacement for me, for you, wherever job you have. Enjoy the ride because you will leave behind a lot of unfinished things in this world from a human perspective. Oswald Chambers in his July 18th devotional from my utmost for his highest said, we have the idea that God is leading us toward a particular end or desired goal, but he is not. The question of whether or not we arrive at a particular goal is of little importance and reaching it becomes merely an episode along the way. What we see as only the process of reaching a particular end, God sees as the goal itself. What people call preparation, God sees as the goal itself. God's purpose is to enable me to see that he can walk on the storms of my life right now. If we have a further goal in mind, we're not paying enough attention to the present time. However, if we realize that moment by moment, obedience is the goal, then each moment as it comes is precious. That's what we need to do is live in the moment. Be present in the time. So you move toward your goals, but you hold those goals loosely because God can change your plans. You can just about count on it. He may take a different road to the goal than you anticipated or thought, and he may tell you a different path to go, but you need to be available and open to his interruptions. I call them divine interruptions. In Psalm 37, it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So commit your way to him, trust him. He will act in your behalf. In Ephesians 5, it says, look carefully, Paul says, then how you walk, how you behave, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. So our application is this, 
under our third point, may you have realistic expectations for all areas of your life in 2023, knowing it's God who establishes the plans and make allowances for his divine interruptions. Make allowances. You know, sometimes when things don't go right on a project that I'm doing at home, I remind myself, does it always have to go right? I try to be more patient, more understanding. And you have to understand that God has a purpose and a plan. Maybe you were late to work that day and you avoided an accident because you were late. There's all kinds of stories like that that we can look at. So how patient will you be in 2023 with God leading in your life beyond what you can control? That's the key. Know that you do not really have any control, but it's God who's taking care of you and leading. Fourthly, make serving God and people the priority because that's what brings joy. Jesus said several times in the Gospels, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So first part of that is love God more in 2023. How will you do that? What is God prompting you to do to learn how to love him more? Is he all that encapsulates your life? I think of a story in the Genesis talking about Jacob. And you know the story, Jacob worked seven years to uh, be married to Rachel. And of course, Laban tricked him. And he ended up with Leah, the older sister. So then he had to work another seven years. And he finally was able to get married to Rachel. And he loved Rachel, but he didn't really love Leah. And it tells us in Genesis 29, 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son and she named him Reuben. For she said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. That's why she named him Reuben. The Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She was trying to find her identity by capturing the love of her husband in her life. Interesting, isn't it? And then, well, she finally had another baby, and it says there in Genesis 29, 34, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons, so he was named Levi. And again, Jacob didn't pay much attention to her. Finally, in verse 35 of Genesis 29, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. Leah had realized that she couldn't find her identity, her love, her hope, her fulfillment of everything she needs in Jacob. It had to be in the Lord. And may we learn that lesson as well. So we need to love God more. Second of all, we need to love and serve people more. Love and serve people more. I love that acronym for joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Joy, J-O-Y. And it reminds me that we find true joy when we serve others and serve God. In 1524, Martin Luther observed among themselves, the merchants have a common rule, which is their chief maxim. They all said, I care nothing about my neighbor so long as I have my profit and satisfy my greed. But more than 200 years later, John Woolman, who lived in Mount Holly, New Jersey, let his commitment to Jesus influence his tailor shop dealings. Out of support for the freeing of slaves, John refused to purchase any cotton or dye supplies from companies that used forced labor. With a clear conscience, he loved his neighbor and lived according to integrity and sincerity in all of his dealings. 
In Revelation chapter 2, it says in verse 4, talking about the church of Ephesus here, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Do we still have that first love for God in 2023? Think back to when you first became a believer in Christ, when you stepped across the line of faith and the way that God transformed your life. Do you still have that same zeal, that same fervor, that same love for the Lord? And we have to constantly work at it, keeping our spiritual zeal and fervor going by being focused on the goals God has in mind for us daily and weekly. So our fourth application is this. May we return to the passionate love we had for the Lord when we first came to faith in him. To love God, to love our neighbors, to love others. That's what brings lasting joy into our lives. Our next to last but very important fifth tool we can use to move forward effectively for God in 2023 is this, to execute what God has prompted you to do. It's not enough to put it on paper. It's not enough to share with an accountability partner. You've got to do something. You've got to let the rubber meet the road. You've got to follow through with what you believe God wants you to do. In James 1, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the word of God, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If you only read five verses a day and God speaks to you in one of those verses, the best thing you can do is just obey that one thing that God tells you to do on that day. Be a doer of the word. We have to move from commitment to action. What small adjustments do you need to make to reach the goals you have in your life? There's an app out there called Couch to 5K, C to 5K. And in nine weeks, you can start by moving off the couch and through this process, this training program, in nine weeks, you can run 3.2 mile, 5K. They also have one for a marathon. It's a process. You begin with small steps. You figure out your goal, and then you work backward to schedule ways each day or week. You can spend some time working toward that goal. If it means going to bed earlier and getting up earlier to accomplish what God is prompting you to do, do it. It will take discipline. It will take being intentional. It will take self-control. And whatever changes you want to make, write them down, share those with others. We need to have commitment with some sort of accountability. So our fifth application is this. May we take the small steps of daily change to reach the higher goal. Take baby steps. Have a plan. What do I do today and tomorrow to get where I want to be by a certain point in the year? This last point is so important. Without Christ and the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything spiritually speaking to reach these goals. We need the power of the resurrection that abides in us through the Holy Spirit. So be fully dependent on Christ for help. Be fully dependent on Christ for help. In 1 John 3, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. 
Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And notice what he says here. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The fact that Christ came to destroy our sinning and to forgive our sins is this. Christ really wants to help us in our fight against sin. He's on our side. He didn't come to destroy sin because sin is fun. He came to destroy sin because it's fatal. It brings destruction to our lives. And it will destroy us if we don't fight it. He came to help us and not hurt us. Christ will overcome sin in you. Remember 1 John 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He lives in us by faith and he is for us, not against us. He will help you in your fight with sin in the new year. We have to trust him. Do you trust God completely with your time, with your decisions, with your money? What you will do with your entertainment choices, your relationships. I love this picture from the K-Love Morning Show. This meme, it's a quote from Corey Ten Boom. It says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It's on the bottom of your outline. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Trust is placing all our weight and burden on something strong that will hold you up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we, we quote this verse a lot. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. But what does that word trust in verse 5 mean? Well, in the Hebrew, it's batah. It means to have confidence, to be confident, to be bold, to be secure, to cause to trust, to feel safe, to be careless. In other words, it's lying on something that you believe will hold your weight, lying extended on the ground. When was the last time you felt like that with God? It's been a while for me to fully trust and rest in him. We have a whole new year in front of us beginning today. We're only 10 hours into this new year. What do you need to let go and trust him with? Here's our last application here. May you learn more deeply what it is to lay yourselves and our burdens completely on the Lord by trusting him more. Learn how to trust him. Learn how to lean into that Holy Spirit. That when people are assassinating your character or saying things that are not true about you, let Christ be your defender. Let the Holy Spirit be the one that you trust in. What will you build on or add on to that you've already built on your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ? I circle all the way back to that parable that we talked about at the very beginning about building our house on the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. He has to be our foundation as we move into 2023. Paul amplifies, amplifies that thought in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works will become manifest for the day will disclose it, the day of judgment, because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
Notice it didn't talk about sin in the believer. We're not going to be judged for that. It's covered in the blood of Christ. He's talking about our works, our motives, our attitudes as we do the things for God. And we need to build our foundation firmly upon him. So the key thought here is what will you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ in 2023? We're going to close with a, about a three-minute video. And I hope that this video will put in perspective your plans and the uncertain twists and turns in 2023 that will happen, that you will make sure that you've built strong on the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. Let's watch this video called The Field of Eternity. For over 150 years, men have bruised and battled on fields like this, fighting for inches, foot by foot, Yard after yard, they go to war. And all for the glory of the game. Funny thing about glory, though. Doesn't last too long down here. Does it? <laughs> this life is barely a second in the scope of eternity. And eternity, well, that's an overtime game that's much harder to comprehend. But what if, what if we thought of it this way? What if we measured time by the length of this football field? The Bible tells us that to God, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Look, I don't have a math mind, but I do know football. So if we were to measure time by the length of this field, in this hundred yards, that would be a thousand years. In the 50-yard line, that's 500 years. And right here, this is where we live our lives. First and 10, plus and minus a decade, day after day, living in the red zone. But in this eight, nine, 10 yards that we fought over every inch for. How do we know whether we're winning or we're losing? Well, thing is, God has quite a different way of measuring a yard or a year or even a thousand years. Because let's face it, what's it to him? God's thousand years, the long suffering. His new day, it's full of new mercy. That midnight hour is there for a second chance. You see, time never holds him back or forces him forward. The moments of someone's life stolen away too early by death, they're multiplied without end on the banquet table of eternity. Yes, our agonizing weight is but a drop in the bucket of his goodness and grace. All those seconds that go by, those inches played out on the giant field of eternity. Is God's perfect plan carried out in a precision that we can't even fathom? Thankfully, we don't have to understand it. All we have to do is trust Him. So, how will your years, your season in this world, be measured? Yards fought in one or by trusting in the one who can get you down the field of eternity? And he doesn't even break a sweat.
pray together. As we think about our life when we move into 2023, maybe God's already been prompting you about some things that you need to change, some sinful habits that need to go by the wayside. Take this moment just to reflect and ask God to help you with whatever it is that he's prompting you to do in 2023, and then we'll pray. Father, help us to learn how to trust you more. Lord, we we worry about the smallest, and sometimes it seems the biggest things in our life. Many of the things that we worry about never even come to pass. Help us, Lord, to just lay ourselves out, to rest in you. You say, come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Help us, Lord, to learn how to be patient as you lead us and prompt us this year. To know there's going to be detours and we're going to have to get back on the road at times. But help us, Lord, to just keep our focus and our eyes upon you as we move into this year. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.